Welcome to PwC Canada's CEO Viewpoints podcast series, where we discuss key themes from our 25th annual Canadian CEO survey. Environment, social and governance, known as ESG, has risen to the top of the CEO agenda in terms of strategy and transformation. The success of an organization is no longer measured solely by its financial results. Leaders must also know how to respond to issues of climate change, workforce diversity, supply chain ethics, economic inequality. It's all about aligning and embedding all of these principles and more into strategy and operations. Now's the time for leaders to take bold actions for sustained outcomes. ESG is perhaps the biggest transformational opportunity of our time, but it can't be an add-on. It must be part of an organization's overall business strategy. My name is Shelley Gilbert and I'll be your host for this episode. I'm a partner and our ESG markets leader for PwC Canada. Thank you so much for joining us. Today, we have a really exciting guest. Heather Chalmers, president and CEO from GE Canada, is here to speak with us about her perspectives on Canada's path to net zero and ESG strategy and transformation. So welcome, Heather. It's great to have you here with us. And I'm hoping that maybe what we can start with for the audience is to have you tell us a little bit about your journey as CEO at GE Canada. Terrific. And Shelley, just first, thank you very much for having me here today. It's it's a pleasure to be able to talk about a, a topic that I'm incredibly passionate about, both personally and professionally. A little bit about me. I've, I've worked for GE for almost 27 years. I started in our plastics business moved into healthcare, and then since about 2018, I've been president and CEO of GE Canada. For those of you who may not know, GE is an iconic global company, but one with deep Canadian roots. In fact, uh, Canada was the first country GE expanded into, and I'm proud to say that we will be celebrating our 130th anniversary in the country this summer. And a little fun fact that I'd like to share is that uh, Thomas Edison, who is our founding father, visited Peterborough on a trip and fell in love with the area so much so that he wanted to have a cottage there. And that was the reason why the first Motors facility, GE Motors, was born in Peterborough, Ontario, 130 years ago. (laughs) I love the fun fact. And I did not know that about, despite the fact I'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to energy. So Heather, maybe diving a little bit into this topic that you and I are both fairly passionate about. There's a lot of concern, there's growth, there's changing expectations around trust, transparency, performance. We're seeing leaders really need to take some decisive action to address issues that are having long-term consequences, but also generational impacts. And when we look at the macroeconomic and the geopolitical volatility, you know, the imperative to, to reimagine organizations just keeps growing. And I'd love to hear your perspective on you know, why is ESG even more important now, and, and particularly to business leaders, company stakeholders, and shareholders, and close to my heart, uh, you know, Canadians and the Canadian economy. There's no question the last two years have been incredibly challenging, whether that's COVID-19, reckonings with racial injustice and systemic inequality, the continuing effects of climate change, supply chain challenges and unprecedented inflation, and most recently, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, just one of many ongoing conflicts across the world. You know, in fact, I use this term VUCA, volatile, uncertain complex and ambiguous all the time with my GE Canada employees. 
that in fact, VUCA is our new steady state. The other thing I'll say is that these events and disruptions have also helped underscore the purpose or the why of what we do at GE. You know, I'm both lucky and, and proud to work at a company that is committed to tackling humanity's biggest challenges in the energy, healthcare, and aviation industries. And every day we say we rise to the challenge of building a world that works. Across all three of these industries, there is a clear alignment to sustainability, whether that's leading the energy transition to drive decarbonization or developing precision healthcare that personalizes diagnosis and treatments and building a future for smarter and more efficient flight. There's also an incredible opportunity for Canada because of our rich natural resources, geology, history in nuclear and hydro, our incredibly strong academic base and broad trade agreements and government prioritized focus. And the other piece I would say, it's important to Canadians. They understand this is a priority and that while there's costs involved, it's, it's better that we, we start this transition in an orderly way in a, in a transparent way, uh, because climate change and the impact or the requirement for to be better at ESG is, is not going away. We need to do this, not just for us, but for the future of our children and, and subsequent generations. And I'll end here by saying Canada has this incredible opportunity to be a leader in terms of reaching its own net zero goals. But if we do it properly, there's a there's a tremendous um, role that we can play in terms of the energy transition. We will all win if we play this right, and that means predictable and enabling policies and regulations, as well as smart business decisions that are based in science and technology, and so that we can lead in the energy transition that will ultimately create new green sectors for growth and, and economic prosperity for the long term. And, and to that point, you know, I, I shared with you earlier, I've just had the opportunity to expand my role in an international capacity. The idea is to take these first of a kind, this, these leadership examples that were demonstrated in Canada, whether it's the small modular reactor, if I could use that as an example, or carbon capture, and then how do we translate that into other parts of the world? So I, I think it's just an acknowledgement of the, the good work and the momentum that we have in Canada that, and the opportunity for impact in a much more broader way around the world. Well, on a, on a personal note, Heather, congratulations. You know, I've had the privilege of uh, working with you on some of the leadership you provided through uh, the Net Zero Council and you're perfectly suited for it. So congratulations. Maybe picking up where you, you sort of touched down in terms of Canada and Canada's role and where we stand. We recently, uh, annually, we do a CEO survey, and, and one of the things that surprised me in that survey was, well, we have some exceptional Canadian companies who are leading in some of these spaces. Many of the Canadian respondents in that survey really had not yet realigned their priorities in terms of an evolving world, whether that was trust issues like ESG. As I said, we saw, we saw some exceptional leaders, but we actually saw an enormous amount of the Canadian business landscape really lagging our global peers. The challenge to sort of look beyond the short term and, and putting those sustained outcomes at the heart of things um, is not small. What advice and, and what thoughts do you have on how organizations can position themselves for that long-term growth and that role on the global stage for Canada that you talked about when it comes to ESG and net zero, Heather? 
I would say, and, and what we try and live by is that sustainability priorities need to be woven into what a company does, because this is uh, right for both the business and, and, and the planet. Sustainability must be approached with the same high expectations of rigor and accountability that you use to run your business. Uh, there should be no difference. And that includes defining a strategy, setting ambitious targets, and measuring progress. Alignment with external standards may also be of value. Uh, for example, you know, at GE, we were a signatory to the UN Global Compact since 2008, and we see close synergies between multiple UN sustainable development goals and our strategy and sustainability priorities. Maybe you can expand a little bit, Heather, in terms of sort of the, the long-term growth side of that, in terms of how do companies need to think about this differently, sort of building off of what GE's done in this space? Let's start with maybe our goal. Um, our goal is to be carbon neutral in, in our scope one and scope two GHG emissions by 2030. In our last year's sustainability report, uh, we also announced our ambition to be a net zero company by 2050 which includes our own operations, as well as the scope three emissions from the use of sold product. This is similar to what many other companies have set out, but the challenge is a bit more difficult in our goals, I would say, because of what we do, our net zero journey ultimately is our stakeholders net zero journey. For those who may not be aware, but I'm proud to say uh, one third of the world's electricity is generated using our technology. This includes renewable and non-emitting technologies such, such as onshore and offshore wind turbines, hydro turbines, and nuclear reactors, as well as highly efficient but emitting, emitting gas turbines. We are actively working on pre- and post-combustion decarbonization pathways, such as burning hydrogen in our turbines or using carbon capture to abate the emissions coming from this technology. You know, I would say the same also applies to our aviation business. You know, two-thirds of the world's commercial jet engines are manufactured by GE or our partner companies. As for lessons, I would say there's a huge opportunity for education, whether that's Canadians or, or otherwise. We need to acknowledge that getting to net zero is a journey, hence the term energy transition. Second, we need to massively increase the amount of non-emitting or low-carbon electricity we generate while simultaneously electrifying other sectors of the economy. Third, uh, we need to understand that the energy transition will look very different depending on where, they, where people live. We should neither expect nor prescribe any two provinces to reach net zero in the same way. It, the reality is it's going to take a portfolio of technology solutions and that portfolio in each province will look different and be determined by existing infrastructure, natural resource availability, and the policy and regulatory landscape. And the reality is it's okay that it'll look a little different. And then lastly, I'll just say economy-wide decarbonization must be done affordably, reliably, sustainably, and equitably. We need to make sure that no Canadian gets left behind by the energy transition. It's extremely well said. You know, I've heard you speak on this before, but I think it'll be of interest to many folks is, you know, addressing climate change really calls for an unprecedented level of cooperation among industry sectors, regions that may naturally be competitive, but also business leaders, governments, investors, and NGOs. You know, you deal with a very diverse and sometimes uh, polarized set of opinions. From your perspective, why do you think it's important for 
organizations and, and for all of us to sort of reimagine collaboration. And uh, maybe most importantly, how can we create more of that to achieve the goals and, and the transition that you've outlined? Thanks, Shelley. I think I'll tackle that question in two parts, perhaps starting with the why and then some thoughts on the how. In terms of the why, climate change is an urgent global priority, and it is a challenge that affects everyone, regardless of you know where you live, how much you make, how old you are, it's universal. The challenge is also too large for any one actor, whether it be a company, an NGO, or government to tackle alone. It, it really is going to take all of us, like you said, governments, energy producers, OEMs, utilities, research institutions, indigenous communities, and other non-governmental stakeholders to work together to drive Canada and the world towards net zero. So this means that we will all have to come at this problem with different perspectives, agendas, and ideas. And frankly, that's a really good thing. It helps to identify barriers or unintended consequences of lack of alignment between various actors that need that we need to think about and address in order to build a solution. In terms of the how, you know, I think we start with everyone acknowledging that one person or entity doesn't have all the answers. We, you know, I'll say at GE, we strive to have a culture built on focus, transparency, and humility. And humility helps us recognize what we do not know, and that we need to start by asking questions and then continue by listening carefully and respectfully. And by doing so, we can op open the door to collaboration and, and ultimately innovation. And the other piece I'll add is, is just, it's discussions like this. We need to have more of them. We need to have more forums where we bring those various actors together to share concerns and to share ideas. The, Canada's counting on us. The world is counting on us. You alluded to something a little bit earlier, Heather, in terms of speaking about, you know, companies that are going to do this well or organizations that are going to do all of this well are really sort of embedding that and integrating that into how they run their business, both risks and opportunities. And we've definitely seen that, you know, in, in the work that I get the privilege of, of leading as well. But we're also seeing that those organizations are starting to potentially have access to lower costs of capital, wider access to investment and lending sources. They're attracting and retaining customers differently. And they're also attracting and retaining talent, which is you know, a key issue for a lot of industries right now. How does GE think about this and approach this? When, you, when you're investing in ESG and your transition strategy, how do you measure that success I would start by saying that the very act of reporting um, in terms of our progress against net zero targets and making progress on ESG, it's essential. Like you have to start from that fundamental uh, principle. At GE, we routinely and purposefully analyze and revisit our sustainability programs, our commitments and our targets our employees are using lean to hold site-specific sustainability assessments, identify energy reduction opportunities, and calculate and track costs and paybacks. And I would say they're incredibly engaged in this journey with, with us. We also maintain a global database used to track our GHG emissions, energy and water usage. And, and this is also foundational to our reporting. 
For example, in developing our 2021 sustainability report, we considered three key sustainability reporting frameworks in addition to the UN SDGs. And that was the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures, industry-specific standards from the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board, and finally, the Global Reporting Initiative Standards. So I circle back to my first point. We believe in reporting, and we believe in reporting to consistent sets of standards that are recognized, and then we hold ourselves accountable to regular progress to those standards. Canadian companies that are demonstrating how they're creating value for both shareholders and society seem to be positioned to, to, to gain an edge. When GE started the journey around reporting, can you share a little bit about um, <laughs> what, what that was like for you to get started? Because I think a lot of the organizations that uh, I get to work with, getting started is sometimes the hardest part. Perhaps I'll, I'll answer the question, Shelley, this way. First, it starts with everybody acknowledging that climate change is, a, is an urgent global priority. And I think ideally we've established that. Secondly, I would say at GE, we are guided by an, an active and engaged board with leadership that sets the example of a culture of integrity that is core to everything we do. Uh, and so having that board engagement and accountability is critical. We also operate our businesses with a view towards long-term sustainability and continuing to develop and deliver products and services critical to building a world that works. And a key element of our sustainability strategy is to implement lean management principles across the enterprise to drive continuous improvement for outcomes in our own operations, as well as looking for places for innovation in the solutions that we provide for the rest of the world. And in that vein, sustainability is integrated with strategic development and risk management across the country. We use the sustainability lens uh, to focus on operations and priorities within each business, as well as how do we make targeted investments in those areas that can, we can help in terms of you know, technology solutions. Right now, we're in the midst of this strategy process in our new energy business, which will combine our traditional power portfolio, our renewable portfolio, and our digital business into one. And the very purpose of that is to be a partner in the energy transition, a partner to governments, to companies, to provinces. It's a tremendous opportunity to be at the table in this way. A lot of uh, insight and I think a lot of experience in terms of your journey imparted in a short period of time. Maybe maybe I'll, I'll, I'll feed back to you sort of the, the, the five or six things, Heather, that have really struck me and um, I think will also strike our listeners. And one being that Canada can play an outsized role, two being that integration matters of ESG and these transition and climate change concepts into the organization, not just stand alone, collaboration being critical. And no one size fits all for all of Canada, I think, is, is important. Um, also really resonated with me in terms of your comments around an affordable, inclusive transition is, is crucial and not leaving anybody behind. Supported by that idea that reporting is, is key to moving ahead and holding ourselves accountable on this and that governance and leadership really need to, to underpin that. 
You know, are there other messages or advice, Heather, that you'd have for not just the business community, but sort of organizations across Canada in government, investors, NGOs, and business to, to maybe take away today? First, I think you've done an excellent job summarizing. So thank you for that. The one thing I, I, um, I was remiss in maybe um, talking about is people. And just like the energy transition is going to require a portfolio of technology solutions, I think the teams at the table have to represent that diversity of thought, that diversity of backgrounds, that diversity of context. It is so important that we have the best and brightest minds coming together and having very thoughtful debates about how to do this in a way that is affordable, it is sustainable, it's reliable, and it's equitable. And it's important that at each of our companies, in our own lives, that we are creating environments where the culture is very accepting of that diversity and inclusion. And in that, we are going to have the best conversations that ultimately lead to the best solutions for, for Canadians and, and then for the broader um, international community. So that's the one thing I will tell you that we are incredibly focused on as well, uh, in addition to our own you know, business targets and our technology targets. Heather, thank you so much for making time to join us today and sharing your perspectives on Canada's road to net zero and ESG. And thanks to each of you for making time to tune in to the CEO Viewpoints podcast series. We look forward to having you join us for the next episode. Merci et au revoir.